along to the Wise Men Say preview podcast as we look ahead to Sunderland's trip down to Shrewsbury at the weekend. My name's Frankie Francis. I'm joined in the studio tonight by Michael Loff. Good evening. And Craig Clark. Hello. Uh, we will be discussing the Tuesday night fixture against Tramier. We'll also be uh, not just looking ahead, but maybe discussing our now mm, settled thoughts about the new manager, shall we say. Mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll be looking at the, the table and um, how things could line up at the weekend for both Sunderland and Shrewsbury. But we should probably start by looking back on Tuesday's game. I know it was, there was a reaction podcast, but now the, uh, the dust has settled or the net has stopped moving from all the goals. <laughs> no uh, more ripples. Yeah, no more ripples of the, of the net. Let's look back at the Tuesday night's game. A 5-0 victory at home against Tranmere. Uh, and it was a really good game, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah, you, you couldn't have asked for any more. Going into the game, I, I was going into it with a real sense of dread because I felt as though unless we did emphatically win the game in the manner that we did, I felt as if you'd come away from the game unsatisfied because wrongly, I think, based on the performance against Wickham, I presume that that was just going to be the way that Parkinson would play football and I thought we'd maybe label a 1-0 win 2-1 and there wouldn't be signs of improvement, but there were but there genuinely were signs of improvement the other night in the way we approached the game, but where we continued to attack when we went 1-2-0 and up. So, as you say, it was in the clean sheet as well, which we've lacked all season, so it was basically the perfect evening. Uh, Stephen, the um, godfather of Wiseman, tweet, <laughs> tweeted uh, that it was almost as if the handbrake was taken off the Sunderland side. What was your view of the uh, the game on Tuesday? Would you agree with Stephen's comments? Uh, you can't disagree, really. I think it. Uh, I said on on um, Tuesday after the game, and I'd say it again, and it kind of aligns with that idea that it's kind of what we wanted from Ross. It's what he needed to do in terms of by putting Greg as the focal point and playing a style of football that both suited him, got the best out of him, also got the best out of the rest of the team, right? So we got it forward quickly. There's nothing wrong with direct football. It's, it's an effective way to play if that's what your players are basically suited to. And yeah, he's not what you'd look at as a natural target man. But again, as we discussed on Tuesday, he actually played that role quite well. But it was just getting the ball in the final third consistently, picking up second balls, we, we had a purpose. We got it out wide. It was either Hume on the left often or Watmore on the right would would burn the full back and get the ball across. And we haven't seen that really since Madja left. And basically, if Ross had managed to do something like that to get the best out of Greg, he wouldn't be out of a job. But because of his desire to control games, which we didn't always, but he tried, that's what he wanted his team to do, he was never going to get the best out of Greg. And as such, we were never going to score five goals in a game. And we've been crying out for that. And what worried me going into the game, Mickey, was actually a lot of people were suggesting, and myself included, a win would be enough. Mm. Now, that had gone from a, a situation where we'd all been like, well, we've beaten MK Dons 2-1 and, and that isn't good enough. We need to batter a team or something like that. Yeah. And now suddenly the expectations had lowered so much. Yeah. It was just a win would have been good enough. I think had we won the game 1-0 or 2-1 or whatever, I'd have come away relieved. And I would have maybe felt quite good about it for an hour or two after the game. But then straight away, you're thinking, yeah, but long term, it doesn't solve anything. We're still in the same position. But I think what um, Tuesday night did, it gave you hope for the future. And suddenly you're going to the Shrewsbury game and you're looking forward to it again. And you're yeah. feeling confident <clears throat> that we can go there and um, win the game and go on a little bit of a run. I mean, Tramia were appalling. 
Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we've played other appalling teams. Exactly. And we've I, not done that. I don't think they were that terrible. They still had shots on our goal. They hit the post at one point as well. They had a good bit of possession as well. When I think when we, we were like 2-0 up, I think, at, at some point. Or maybe was it in the early <laughs> second half? I don't think they were terrible. I don't think the worst team we've seen at the stadium like over the last you know season and you know, 10 games or however many games it is. Um, is, this, is this system, which happened on, on Tuesday night, the system going forward then is is a no going back or do you take every game separately or do do Sunderland have to be you know the aggressors in every single game? Parkinson said in his his pre match today that you know we have to be act as if we're the home team away at Shrewsbury at the weekend. Well, straight away that's a massive, almost a relief again to hear a manager talking like that because I'm another thing that this discourse that's developed around the club over the last few weeks, understandably because of where we've been at and where results have gone has been one of we've got to remember we're in League One we've got League One players and all this finally somebody and somebody who's actually in a position of control in terms of the team selection and the style of play is saying no this is Sunderland these are some good players I've got here we're going to play away at for instance Shrewsbury yeah we're going to treat that like we're the home team because that's what I guess I know it's a bit of an absurd comparison but it's what Man City would do in the Premier League right Mm -hmm. for instance go out there they're not a you know, a big club, they're not very high in the table. You've got to you've got to go out there and be the aggressor because as we've discussed previously, our best players are in the final third. We've got an abundance of talent there. And maybe if we're fragile anywhere, it's it's in defensive areas. So make the most of what you've got. Yeah, but have we seen over the last well, certainly on Tuesday night, the partnership Willis and Lynch and Bergingall just talking centrally, is that the solution at the back as well? First clean sheet in the in the league. How important was that on Tuesday night? Massively important because I think that was another thing that cost Jack Ross's job. Ultimately, he became absolutely obsessed with his idea with clean sheets. And I think that made us very much play with a handbrake on because I think we were going to games and that was a priority to try and defend and to get a clean sheet and win a game 1-0. And that really so is... rather do not lose rather than go out and win. I don't even think it was a do not lose. I just think it was when we were taking the leading game. Suddenly the focus was on well we've got clean sheets, and I get a feeling that's all we were working on in training, and that's all the manager talked about in press conferences. And if that's all he's talking about in the changing room, then naturally players are going to get nervous when you fixate on something. But if you're not thinking about it, like on Wednesday night when you go three 0 up in the game, I wasn't sat there thinking, oh well we must keep a clean sheet now. I was thinking, oh let's go get four five six. But as a consequence, we got the clean sheet without really kind of like having so much of an overemphasis on it, if that makes any sense. But Burge still pulled off a couple of good <laughs> saves. Um, he made... Remember he got down well to his right, I think, on one occasion. I mean, if um... you were being hypercritical, he did palm it out to their player. Um, it was this, Let's put it this way. I know you've played in goal, Mickey, at a decent level. Five but nine. I thought it was a sit. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> Which is better than me. Power but... league. <laughs> Basically, it's a save you would expect your goalkeeper to make, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect him not to save that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was a good save. I think the problem with um, goalkeepers is they're all great until they make a couple of mistakes. Yeah, that's and, fair. And then suddenly there's a, there's a massive um, crying discourse we've seen it with McLaughlin. Fair enough, I think the mistake at Lincoln was the straw that brought the camels back. Yeah. But before that, when he kind of was a few goals that were debatable, suddenly everything he did was overanalyzed mm. to the point of ridiculousness because he'd made a couple of mistakes earlier on in the season. And Lee Burge, he's not perfect. Yes, I think he's played well in the games that he's played. And he played quite well again on Tuesday night. And people are going to sing his praises. But as soon as he makes a couple of mistakes, I mean, we saw last season when he played for Coventry, he dropped the ball at Charlie White's feet and he had a tap in. So, as I say, I think we've got two good goalkeepers, but I don't think we can get carried away and say that like Lee Burge is kind of like going to be our number one 
for the rest of the season or anything like that. I think it's good that we've got two goalkeepers who can provide competition. If one of them's going through a poor form, you've got no qualms about putting the other one in. So I think that's a very healthy situation to be in. Do you, I think do you, I was going to say there's something else maybe to think about was John McLaughlin's contract situation. And, and I'd mentioned before, and I, I don't know what's going through his head. I'm not a psychologist and I've never met him, but I just wonder the way some of the things he said in the press, whether there's been a situation where he was Ross's man and Ross wanted to stick with him, but maybe he is a bit unsettled by the contract situation and or for whatever reason he's not he hasn't been as good as he was last season he's no, not been as not. commanding he's he's letting goals he wouldn't have let in last season he set very high standards last season for himself whatever it is parkinson's been able to come in and almost go all the politics whatever they are between ross and mclaughlin and anyone else at the club they don't apply to me and I'm looking at two goalkeepers in training and he's the one who is before, who deserves to start the game. And that's sometimes a managerial change gives, it's the clean slate thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Same with Greg. <clears throat> All that baggage he's had for however many months at this club, about 10 months, is if not instantly forgotten, you could see him playing as if like he just put a load of baggage down. He was just, he just, he just looked more confident. That chance he got in the fi- opener five minutes as well, oh, he kind of flicked so, it off the post. If he got that, he, you know. I mean, but he was he's, flying he's, anyway, wasn't he? Still he still went on to have a really, really good, good game. You could say his best game in a Sunderland shirt. I would say it was. I mean, that pass for Watmore's goal should not go underappreciated. No. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that was that was the quality of a player who belongs in a division higher than League yeah, One, certainly. in my opinion. Certainly. I think Stephen, um, and that's twice I think we've praised the point Stephen's made, so I think we need to be careful. We're contracted, it's, he's the godfather. <laughs> the the goldfather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very, very good. Um, no, but he made the point that if that had been Will Griggs' debut or one of his early games for the club, how excited would we be yeah. by that performance? And, and, yeah, so, I and, and I think to a certain way, we have almost got treated not as if it's his debut, but like you say, as if he's got a clean slate. And now Grigg has got an opportunity to really, with Charlie White being out injured, to really cement his place as not only the number one striker, but the man who can fire us to promotion. Because that is a thing to consider that Park- Parkinson does like White. He wanted to sign him previously, I think when he was at Bolton. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean to say just because you've previously wanted to sign someone that they're going to be your man. Mm-hmm. But he likes a target man. But he's he's probably got now Greg and McNulty have probably got between them maybe ten or so games to to really sort of say actually you can play a different way, and if it's like Tuesday again, say for the next two games, he's going to find it really hard not to go with that system. Yeah, going forward, White will be. No, I'm not his biggest fan, but he will be useful in games because he does offer you something different. And if you've got no variety in the squad, which is something we've talked about before, it is problematic. So actually just him being there does mean you can mix things up a bit when he's fit, obviously. And I think that is, it's better than just having three versions of Greg, let's put it that way, you know what I mean? You need something a bit different. Yeah, and we're going to have to make some changes on Saturday because it looks like Gooch is out. He played well on Tuesday night, didn't he? Looks like he's rolled his ankle. He's definitely out for the, at least one game. Who comes in? Is it a straight swap for McGeady? Or could, is there an argument for McNulty there? I think it could depend on whether what more starts or not because that would mean we'd have to make a change in both the wide areas because I was surprised to see what more start on Tuesday. Ultimately, I was proven wrong. It wasn't because of how he played at Wickham that I wouldn't start them by the way, but just purely because he's played very little football in the past three years, really. So for him to play three games of the week, I think would be just a stretch too far and we don't want the risk of being injured when he played so well the other night. And we got his best game for years, didn't we? Alan? Exactly. Oh, the finish as well was echoes of... 
um, he was really coming into his own at the end of the Premier League season under yeah, Allardyce, and um, that finish was really reminiscent. I think he scored at least one offside goal, which wasn't offside, I don't think, at Watford in the final day of that season. And I thought, you know, he's got a touch of the Michael Owens about him in terms of the way he finishes. Mm. And then he spent three years basically knackered. Yeah. Bless yeah. him. And restarting his career. Exactly. And this it, season is a re- it's, yeah. it's restart. Definitely. His I mean, I think. It's remarkable the way he's come back into the focus. I think those discussions maybe six weeks ago, people were almost suggesting, like, what can we do to cut our losses with Duncan Watmore? Yeah, I thought and, and that was harsh. It, but it was, but it was a conversation that people were having, so it shows that he's gone from that to suddenly now people are singing his praise again. I think it's an excellent turnaround, and hopefully as the season goes on, he can then prove his worth for the team. I just feel as if Saturday would be an excessive risk, really, uh, to play him again. Um, so I think potentially to go back to your point, I think you could bring in McGeady and McNulty and then you've got the really good option of having Duncan Watmore to come off the bench with that raw pace and energy and it'd be able to stress teams and get him behind. And that'll be especially good if, let's say, we're winning the game 1-0 and you twenty got 20 minutes left, you put Duncan Watmore on, it keeps them honest, it keeps them pinned back and they can stretch the game and we can look a real threat on the counter. So I think that there's a case for both McNulty and McGeady to come in on Saturday. Uh, the only thing I'd worry about is... Maguire is basically a forward and when he plays in the middle he's a million times more effective than when he's wide and he also is less likely to kind of cover the ground going backwards than McGeady and I know people don't think McGeady does track but I think actually he's an experienced player and he does and Hume is a little bit suspect defensively. And but I thought that wasn't an issue on Tuesday because the way the uh, the centre-back pairings... Um, you know, mm. in, in the way Lynch and um, Willis basically controlled the back line pretty much themselves and, you know, the left back and the right back were able to exp- express express themselves. You know what I mean? Full world in motion. But that was, the, that was, that's what we, remember when Hume first came in the side and he, he did that for pretty much the whole time he was on the pitch. That's the first time in, in months he's done that as well. It was and great to see. injuries as well, I mean, but it was great to see. It's not, I mean, he was talking to a bloke who was sitting here me at the game and he was saying he th- he could see Hume playing on the wing and actually he's one of those fullbacks that I think could probably do that yeah. because I don't think he relies on <clears throat> having the whole pitch in front of him mm-hmm. what I think he can do is probably pick the ball up on the halfway line and uh, run on you know what I mean it's not like it's not the same as as say like somebody like Mitty Gray mm-hmm. he needed the overlap I yeah. don't think Hume needs yeah. the overlap yeah, it was a bit like when Patrick Van Anholt there was a bit of a falsehood that he could play on the wing but I think for obvious reasons, he would never have made it as a winger because obviously people don't man-mark left-backs and if he'd played as a left-winger, he'd have, he'd have just been like eaten alive by any like competent right-back in the Premier League. But on, on Denver Hume, I do believe it. yeah, he could, he could play further forward. And I think we saw that under the season. Actually, um, I thought it was a clever substitution by Ross when late in the game against Portsmouth, he came on and he played... Um, Left uh, on the left hand side, and he kind of screened the fullback for the rest of that game. Still gave us really good options going forward, but he still had that natural defensive instinct. He helped us save a game out. So I think potentially Hume could be utilised in more than one area. I think obviously this weekend, I'm assuming sort of Debock is not available, and therefore that's a non-starter. But if we had this situation again, I do think he's a handy option to have as someone you could maybe. And I don't think that's a defensive move either to play him on the wing because he does run like a winger. Mm-hmm. Like he, and he's, his delivery is hit and miss. But the way they were trying to play the ball, which was more along the deck, yeah. along the six-yard box, he's Get pretty good line. at that. Yeah. Not into there. 
I think you can do and, that. And Grigg came out afterwards, didn't he, in his interview, and he said, this is where I score goals. He said, joking, I'm deadly in, in the six-yard box. And he was almost saying, give me the ball in that area, and I'll, you know, I'll put it in. And there was numerous, well, certainly a few opportunities where I think Watmore had done done that. He got it across, and I think it was Maguire in the box. He just was maybe a yard shy away, yeah. needed to beat a gamble for but, it. But if, if we're but, just trying this... But if you keep doing it, you if, score. Exactly. That's exactly, it, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think someone like McNulty, say he did play, he'll certainly get in that kind of area as well, playing alongside Greg. Yeah. So you've got a situation where you could you could effectively play. I mean, that would be it's a very attacking front four in a very different way to the front four was equally attacking on Tuesday, but it would be much more, sorry, much less about pace mm-hmm. and more about almost like technique. Um, if you had like McGeady and Maguire running the wings, it's, it's a totally different different way of playing almost. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be hard to get them playing in the way what Moore and Gooch do. Mm. Definitely. Uh, well, we'll see on, on Saturday. Um, now, you know, Parkinson's been in for two games. Um, how, how are you feeling about the the appointment now, Mickey? If you'd ask me, if you'd, <laughs> if you'd ask me this at um, five pm last Saturday against Wickham, then I'd have still been absolutely fuming about it. I mean, look, I'm not going to completely um, do like a if, like the Wickham a, game though. He's only in the job yeah, one yeah, day, no, and I mean, even the BBC's coverage of Tuesday night on the mm. website had said that Parkinson's first game ends in the final one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it was because it's. I think it's yeah. probably the first appointment where I've kind of been ideologically against it from the start. So he was. I'm not going to suddenly be a revisionist and say, "Oh well, he's Greyfield Parkinson." I didn't want them to manage the club. That doesn't mean I don't want them to succeed. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get behind them. It doesn't mean I wasn't delighted on Tuesday night. But now he's because he came in and he talked about that he's very adaptable and he doesn't see himself as just playing one style of football. And, the, and we need to see that. And if he can um, find a way of getting the most out of the players like he did on Tuesday night, then absolutely excellent. And it, uh, in a similar token, we were, I guess, people thought we were being negative after the appointment and stuff. And, you know, I listened back and I, I thought we, we covered the statistics and we tried to make a balanced case about mm-hmm. about Parkinson as best we could. And from the statistics available, and I know Gareth's talked about this as well, in terms of like... He, he, he did get bolted up, but it's been a long time before that. He's not prolific at getting promotions. That doesn't mean to say we're not here to support him. Mm-hmm. Just looking at what, what the stats were and all the reports were about his style of football and the number of points we had and the number of points he might accrue, it didn't look like it would be enough. It was also underwhelming, and I've mentioned this before, when we thought this takeover was in the offing, we were discussing the merits and demerits of people like Chris Hutton and saying, oh, no, he's too negative for us and stuff like that. To go from talking about someone like Chris Hutton, who's managed successfully in the top flight, to then appointing someone who's considered to be quite a negative manager mm. in League One is a massive fall mentally to deal with. Uh-huh. Now, that's not the club's fault that we were talking about Chris Hutton. That was just the impression that we got at the time. That was where we were coming from at that point. And just because we've won one game, we've also lost one. So you've got to take... The rough with the smooth. We don't know yet exactly what exactly. part. I'm more than happy and I will be supporting him and I was absolutely delighted by how we played on Tuesday. Yeah. And if we do that again, the next two games will be flying and I'll be absolutely well, well behind him at that point. Yeah. I mean, what my reservation as well about Parkinson, I think I mentioned it on Monday's podcast, you look at the teams he's been at and he's generally there for two or three years, which is quite a long time in the modern game. And that, to me, suggests that he's a slow builder. 
and he goes in the clubs in a certain situation and he gradually builds things, lays the foundations and then he is successful over a period of time. And for me, at Sunderland, he didn't, he doesn't have that time. Yeah, it's a different job, isn't because it? Because I think I made the kind of point, we almost need like more like of a sugar hit this season to just to get us out of the league rather than kind of a more sustainable kind of foundation. But as Craig said, the way we played on Tuesday was completely beyond my expectations. And I think we do need to see a similar kind of performance on Saturday, not necessarily winning 5-0, but Shrewsbury, when you look at them, they're quite solid defensively, but they've only Bolton scored fewer goals than them this season. So we, we do need, uh, like you said in the press conference, approach it like a home game and go out with that mentality that we are Sunderland and we should be going and winning this game comfortably. And he's got a great opportunity, so if we beat... We said when he came in that we had three crucial league games. Um, after the Wickham game, we had Tramier's passed that test. We've got Shrewsbury at the weekend. And then we've got Southend, who I know we had nine men, but they've just been beaten 7-1. Have they just changed the management as yeah, well? Yeah, Sol Campbell's come in. Oh, he's so. brought in a lot of ex-pros as well. Horidison, I think, is his assistant. And Andy Cole, I think. So they've got like a... They've gone for a, an approach we could have gone for instead of Parkinson. Um, and... Slightly different way. I don't think Saul Campbell has any historical connection to South End, but certainly, obviously, Kevin Phillips was mooted as a potential manager for, for us. Now, that would be actually Campbell's got managerial experience. Phillips has got none. Mm. But other people that you could have you could have looked at and said might maybe the fancy management ex pros. We did it with Keane, for example. You know, they've gone down that route. It started disastrously. Yeah. But by the same token, Parkinson lost his first game. So he's got time to turn that around. Yeah. Hopefully not by the time we play them, because no. they are absolutely shocking South End. I mean, we, we could I mean, also as well. I mean, after next Tuesday, we could be talking about them not only back-to-back wins in the league, but we could be talking about quarterfinals of a Carabao Cup. Yeah, well, that, there's another fixture. To, yeah, and obviously Parkinson's got history in uh, in uh-huh. cup competitions at Bradford, so you know he's going to want to keep the momentum going, isn't he? He's not going to want to see us like say say we go to Shrewsbury and win. He's not going to be like, well, let's just throw this game against Oxford. Uh, I made this point on Twitter and now might be a good time to mention it because that'll be his first test against a team that aren't in the bottom half and aren't below us and Ross managed to win a a total of no games against the teams that are currently above us in the league which was worse when we were 10th obviously we've moved we've moved up a bit but that'll be a good test because at this stage of the competition you'd think both managers are going to take it fairly seriously yeah I mean why wouldn't you yeah, absolutely. Going back onto the, the table at the moment as we look primarily ahead to the Shrewsbury game. Sunderland's currently sitting eighth on 22 points with that game in hand. But Shrewsbury has played the same amount of games and they're in 14th on 18 points. They've also lost three games. Uh, they've drawn th- six compared to our four. Uh, and we've won six, of course, and they've drawn four. Um, one, one four, four. one four. Um, they so haven't. The, the last win was actually against Tram. Well, if you don't include the three 0 win over Newcastle's under twenty one, I was, was going to mention that. <laughs> Moxley is great. Love yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so they. That's the only time I think they've scored that many. I oh know they won a game four three against uh, Southend. Mm. So they've beaten a terrible team, a couple of ter- bad teams. Tram were down to ten men in the game. They won there as well. Okay. And like you said, Mitty. They don't score a lot, they don't concede a lot. They actually drew it Lincoln 0-0, but Lincoln again were down to 10 men. They didn't capitalise. The last game was a 1-1 draw with Gillingham. There's nothing here that's saying to me they aren't another team in the in the mould of Tranmere, for instance, or the other teams near the bottom have beaten MK Dons, Wimbledon. You know, yeah. we've beaten the teams we've beaten have all been in that cluster around 14th and below. Mm. And therefore, I very much expect more of the same as what we got on Tuesday. Definitely. And I mean, from the fixtures you've just read out there and what I've 
briefly looked at on the way over about Shrewsbury as well. They've had a very moderate start to be polite of them, and they've not really played any of the top teams. So they haven't played like Sunderland. They haven't played. Um, so who's sitting top of the league at the minute? Ipswich still isn't it? They haven't played Ipswich. No, it's Peterborough, I think. Isn't but it? they haven't played Peterborough. Um, anyway, mm. it doesn't really matter about the order of the positions. I don't think they've really been playing like the top six teams in the league, mm. and they still haven't scored many goals, and they're down there. So Saturday we do, and then if if we get on Tuesday night, if we if we're winning the game after twenty minutes, then there's absolutely no reason why again we shouldn't be going and winning the game like in, in an emphatic manner. Yeah. And if you can get two. Again, I'm not saying five nil, but it's against about the manner of the display. If we come away from winning the game like two or three nil again, then like Craig said, people are going to be firmly behind Parkinson, and and suddenly then there's a bit of excitement generated around the place as well. Do you think goal difference might come into play this season? Because there's been some big scores going in uh, left, right, and centre. Peterborough, mm. I think, might be ahead of everyone in the goals for uh, tally. But, Peterborough um, in Oxford particularly yeah. but obviously Ipswiches were but there was a game on Tuesday boosted. night was it Doncaster might have won 7-1 I think so yeah that was the South End yeah. game yeah so they've they've boosted their tally as well so it's important to get those goals what you were saying there Mick you do I mean yes obviously ultimately it may come down to goal difference but I just think as much for confidence as well and like Craig said about like newness and freshness so the 1-1 suddenly always kind of like banter uh, it was all over Twitter about one-one draws. That's not really going to reply to Parkinson straight away. So if we can like come in and kind of make these one-one draws a thing of the past, make these um kind of like narrow kind of quite defensive performances and um, where we won the game. MK Dons, I think, was a little bit of an exception to the rule, but like you saw against Appleton Stanley, where we did the podcast, where we felt that we played in second gear throughout that game. Um, you look at other examples under Ross. I mean, last season under. Him when we beat it, we scraped one nil against the FC Wimbledon. There was a number of games where you came where you'd won the game, but you weren't particularly delighted about this. Like you said, Craig Parkinson doesn't own that. So if he can make a stamp on it straight away and we get a few comfortable wins, then as I say, it just gives everybody so much of a boost going forward. We're looking at their team and speaking about the number of goals that they have or haven't scored. Jason Cummins plays up front of them. He's got two and four. Yep. So he's not played that many. But he has scored in half of his games. So yeah. if he's fit and firing, maybe he's a threat. And guys, we need to speak about one and man obviously. who we'll be playing against at the weekend. Um, <laughs> popular as well, well, apparently. Donald Love will be um, possibly starting. He has done started a few games uh, for Shrewsbury Town this right season. Right wing back. Right wing back, yeah. Who uh, thought it? You know, I mean, he did play central midfield once for uh, David Moyes, didn't he? So, and David Moyes used to play for Shrewsbury as well. Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, I didn't know. That. All the legends together in this. Yeah, absolutely. Moisey, Love, Jason Cummins. <laughs> I once saw Donald Love score from centre midfield. Actually, I mean, this just says a lot more about my life than anything. But <laughs> it was, um, it was, it was against um, Hartlepool when we were under twenty threes. Remember them Halcyon days when I was twenty threes playing the Checker Trade Trophy. Oh yeah, we played away at Hartlepool and um, Day Love was playing centre midfield and he scored one from the edge of the area straight at the top corner as well. It was very disproportionate scenes for the goal because it was Donald Love. <laughs> it was a lovely old time. Oh, well, it's just. Uh, I mean, by all accounts, joking aside as well, we shouldn't mock too much because you come back and haunt you. Yeah, but he's uh, he's quite a bad thing about does it? Well, he's popular there, isn't he? he yeah, is popular. Um, I've seen him getting sort of shouted out as an unsung hero type of thing, and uh, you know, you've got. I suppose you've got to think about the level he's playing at. He's playing for a team fourteenth in the one who aren't really that good. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he'll be up against probably Hume and probably McGeady. Let's be honest. Yeah, 
He's gonna he's gonna have a point. He's, I mean, I'd love to see McGeady up against him to be honest. See, this is a thing. Um, I was um listening to um when Rock Report do their preview podcast. I had a list of that on the way over. It was interesting to hear. Um, one of their fans talking about McGain saying that he's quite well liked there mm. but not only that he was saying that um, none of the teams are really targeting him because of the... so I was thinking well we we need to because we know him like because... we know who he is <laughs> we, we, I mean we certainly know his weaknesses Christ almighty so, like, yeah, there's we, plenty of them we, so we should be yeah, looking to exploit that and getting them do you mean more by getting uh, Max Power and Charlie White to jump out on them from my cupboard <laughs> and stuff I, like I, that. I wasn't suggesting bullying necessarily <laughs> but... that's what used to happen <laughs> I mean why, I mean, according to Max Power's Instagram feed uh, Max must be delighted <laughs> <laughs> can't wait he's, rubbing, he's probably been texting them all week yeah D-Love <laughs> happy Halloween <laughs> They love has left the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then uh, it's probably prediction time. Um, what are you going to say for the weekend, Mickey? Um, all aboard the party bus, three 0 I was going to say three 0 as well, so I'll stick with it, and we'll we'll have two three 0 I'll yeah. take it. I'll take two 0 Two 0 bit more conservative. Do that. Yeah. We beat them two 0 down there last season, didn't we? We did. Uh, I think Magic was still playing for us then. It but now a, Greg, Greg's what, a new man. You know, it, it's it's so. strange how quickly things turn because obviously. The departure of Magic was the kind of point last season where everything started to go wrong. But when we played Shrewsbury, Jerome Sinclair, I think he started up front that day. And he also did against Doncaster just after that. And there was a school of thought at the time that we should actually start Sinclair ahead of Magic away from home. Yeah, his pace used to stretch teams. He, he, I mean, we're not going to go into a, the history of Jerome Sinclair at Sunderland, but he, you know, when he first came in, he looked all right, didn't he? And mm. that's another thing where the club... You know, we're loaning him from Watford. And, I mean, initially that was like, God, we have really fallen. But now we're actually loaning players from Redden, like in McNulty. You think, like, even the standard of player we're trying to loan is but almost who, dropped. But who it? was yeah. better prepared for that? McNulty's much better suited oh, yeah. than Sinclair. Well, was. Sinclair looked initially, didn't he? He looked like, a, he, looked like he was going to be a, a steal on loan. I think it's a confidence thing with him, which is something McNulty doesn't lack. Mm. <laughs> like, he's clearly got... Some of the... Goes he was having on Saturday. It's a gamble though, isn't it? By taking the the, the you know the pedigree of the Premier League size, Cas Sterling, for instance. You mm. know, it comes from a great pedigree. That's a really good. Really point, didn't really do it, but yeah, you know, yeah. if you like, if taking the taking from the teams, not immediately around you, but certainly in the EFL. Yeah, it's, it's more prepared for it, maybe. Well, it's a good point because the other one I started to think about there was Ajaria because he's now at Redden on loan and yeah. obviously when he was at Sunderland it was a disaster went to Rangers didn't work and they absolutely love him at Redden mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the right club isn't it at the right time I mean I do I do have but some... that's a couple of seasons after exactly he's yes. developed a yeah. bit further I mean you know. again I'm not just we're not going to go and like do a history of them like underwhelming signs for Sunderland because they may be, will be here all night but Ajaria, I did not envy any young player coming into the club oh, that, no. during that era, and partic- particularly not Bad. one who would, he'd never played a minute of senior football before coming to Sunderland. Yeah. So as I say, I think it was harsh, and he did show some like really promising signs. The only thing I remember with Ajaria is thinking like, can do you actually have the capability <laughs> to shoot? Yeah. <laughs> you used to like beat two or three men the edge of the area, massive opening. And he was trying to beat somebody else. You're like, what are you doing? But it, it comes back to the point you've just made, which is a really good one, and undermines the sort of thing I was saying I suppose in terms of sorry no I know it's a good point though it's actually it should it doesn't matter where you're loaning them from mm. it's a shame that you haven't loaned players from Redden but actually you're right McNulty is much more ready made to just come in than say someone like Cas Sterling who actually of the clubs we've talked about was playing for the biggest one he was playing for Spurs and he, he would but he was so raw yeah uh, he was like Ajaria he looked like a guy who'd played 20 minutes of first team football or whatever the hell it was Whereas you got McNulty, he's got he's played in the 
second, the third tier of English, um, sorry, the fourth tier of English football. He's played in SPL. He's had a go in the <coughs> championship. So, all right, it might not have worked out for him every single time, but he knows how to play football against senior season pros, and and it shows like it definitely. The, the does. good thing about McNulty as well, he played for Coventry in League Two, and Coventry had the expectation of getting out of that league because they felt they were too big for it. He's played for Portsmouth in League 2, again, a club who feel as though he should be playing nowhere near that level. So he's got um, experience of playing for clubs who are kind of playing below the natural level, so hopefully that'll shine through the more he's here as well. I mean, he's honestly, some of the attempts, he, I mean, sometimes you just think, just put your foot through the ball, man. But like he's 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 technically, when he's in on goal, like he's he's got some tricks in that, and he just, he just sometimes needs to calm down a little bit, I think. But... Uh, it would be interesting now that you've kind of started talking about him, like whether he does start on the weekend, because he he was kind of sharp on Tuesday, wasn't he? He was. He beat a couple of players and then put that shot over the bar. As and well, then I think he hit the post the for the Grig goal, mm. and then he had another one where he tried to lob the keeper. Yeah. All right, none of them's come off, but have the confidence to go for that lob. I mean, when your team's confident, that's the kind of player. It's like the same with Maguire. Yeah. To me, if the team's sort of struggling for form and it's disjointed he's not someone who's going to drag them through it but when the tails are up he'll lash a free kick in like he did on Tuesday and suddenly he's all over the place isn't yeah. he he's hunting players down Yeah. so maybe maybe he's a kind of cocky front four almost yeah exactly why, would, would why be, not would be worth but only if Watmore's not fit to start obviously because he's if he's fit to play he's yeah. in every game the way he's playing at the minute um, one other thing which we didn't uh, I realise I've tried to wrap it up about five minutes ago but um, we didn't touch upon any kind of take, takeover or investment news uh, we, we must just state as we're recording this on the evening of the 24th there's still there was no, nothing, yeah, there's yeah. no news yet so if you are listening to this tomorrow and there's been developments which we don't know about you know this is this podcast is redundant. All the other exciting stuff about yeah. Donald Love's Com- still still worth yeah. listening. Yeah, you know? absolutely. All right, uh, and imagine if there's a few, if there's a few of the lads going down at the weekend, there might be a reaction. If not, there will certainly be a normal podcast on Monday evening with Stephen and Gareth and someone I don't know. Whoever, you, you, you've you been prolific recently. Yeah, someone like that. Could be uh, you again. Th- thanks, for, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, enjoy the match of the weekend. See you soon.